welcome to the Queen's Church Sermon Podcast. Our church is being built on two vision statements. Jesus is our passion and love is our mission. We hope this message leads you to Jesus and that next week you'll join us in person to experience God's love through this local church. You can follow us online at qns.church. Hey church, thank you so much to the worship team for the way that they have been interacting with us virtually over the last several months. Uh, Candace has a big announcement for you right after the sermon, so stay tuned for that about the first time we're going to get to meet together again in person. Church, I'm excited right now for a gift that we have to share with you. Uh, my friend Stephen Francis um, from upstate New York is going to be here uh, giving the word today, and I want to encourage you to set aside your distractions right now. Um, Put your phone uh, on Do Not Disturb and really get ready to dive into God's word and the word that God has for you today. Remember that during this time when we're only online, it's on us to connect with one another. So I want to invite you to make a list of two or three people uh, this week that you want to reach out to, whether it's a text or a phone call or even getting together with them for coffee or lunch. Um, Normally, you'd be running into people at church, but that's not how it works right now. So we have to be intentional. Step out of your comfort zone. Get in front of some people in your church this week. Have that accountability and have that community. Church, let's open up God's word right now and hear from him. What is going on, Queens Church? Hey, listen, before we go any further in today's service, can I just have all the people here and online just give God your best praise right now? Just let them know that he is king of kings and lord of lords of your life. In fact, if you're on the chat right now, go ahead and put God is good in the chat. Let me know that you're here with us and that you know that we serve a good God today. Like it was said before, my name is Stephen Francis, and I'm so excited to be here with you from Poughkeepsie, New York. That is where I am from, along with uh, my wife. We serve at an incredible church called Valley Christian Church. And you know, before we go any further, though, I do want to just give honor to your leader, to your pastor, Larry Mayberry. I connected with him for the Humble and Honest podcast that I'm a host of. Season two comes out September 10th. Shameless plug there. But uh, he was a guest on my show, and after the show ended, I remember going to my wife and I said, I think this is a great guy. Like, he's an incredible leader, humble man of God, and somebody who I believe truly is doing an incredible work here in the community along with his awesome team. So, Pastor Larry, I just want to say thank you, sir, for this opportunity. Thank you for what you're doing here in this community, letting God use you the way that he is. Truly, it is an honor, and I believe this community and the world will be changed by the ministry here at Queen's Church. Like I said already, uh, I am here with my wife, Jasmine Francis. We have been married for five years. So incredible of a journey we've had. And just last year, we celebrated uh, by having a child. We had our first child, Maddox Francis. Uh, Actually, let me clarify that. My wife had our first child. March of last year, I did little to nothing to help make that possible that day. But either way, we love him, and uh, we decided to also keep him home today because parents want a break. Can I get an amen in the room from the parents? But uh, he is truly a joy, and, and we enjoy having him. Fun thing, though, you know, ever since having a child, I continue to just look at my own childhood with so much nostalgia now. 
And one of the things that's so unique about my upbringing is that I grew up in an old school Pentecostal church, which means my church services every Sunday was always a very quick eight hours long. If you did not pack a snack, you was not going to make it at my church service. And one of the reasons why church would go so long is because when the Holy Ghost fell on the congregation, there was no longer any sense of program or restrictions. And by Holy Ghost, I do mean the Holy Spirit. That's an indicator that you know you go to an old school church, by the way, if they call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. But anytime the Holy Ghost fell in my church service, you would see people run around the room, you would see people dance in the aisles, and you would also see them get slain in the spirit. Now, for anyone that does not know what being slain in the spirit is, it is when you go up for prayer usually, and the minister will put his hand on you, or she will put her hand on you, and you will feel the presence of God so much so that it seemingly causes for you to pass out. And normally, when that happens, there needs to be somebody there to catch you. Well, when I was 17 years old, I was the junior deacon at the church, and that was part of my job, to catch these people that would get slain in the spirit. This one particular Sunday, though, there was more people getting prayed for than there were deacons to catch them. So I was standing behind two women that I knew one of them was definitely going to fall. They were hands raised, screaming Jesus, knees buckling, and I'm literally behind them like this, being sure that I catch whoever is going to fall first. And literally, church, I will not lie to you today, there was a woman on my left that buckled down and started to fall back, and I went to catch her, but she actually regained her footing and stood straight back up. But while I was so busy trying to get her, the lady on my right fell straight down. And she fell so hard, I didn't know if she was slain in the spirit or just actual knocked out. Either way, she was for sure in the presence of the Lord in that moment. She fell so hard that her head bounced a little bit, and the wig that she had that was originally on the top of her head fell off into the side. It looked just like that picture you see on social media sometimes with someone is slain. And church, I didn't know what to do. I was 17. I freaked out. So I tried to put the wig back on her head by using my foot. I just tried to slide it back onto her foot. It did not work, and they said, sir, you need to find a new ministry, and I've been preaching ever since. So that is why I'm here today. But the other thing about growing up in an old-school Pentecostal church is that there was a lot of restrictions. I remember going to school, and there were kids that would come up to me and say, hey, man, do you like those Harry Potter books? And I was like, nah, they said at church that that's witchcraft and sorcery, and I should have no part of it. And I had another group of kids that would be like, hey, man, you want to play Pokemon with us? And I was like, actually, that's demonic. I can't have any part of that either. Sorry. I actually went to church services where they made us burn our non-Christian music, and I remember how dramatic people would get up about it. I had a friend run up to me at one of these services after throwing a CD in the fire, and he was like, Stephen, you won't believe this. I threw my Will Smith greatest hit CD in the fire, and I heard a demon hiss. And I was like, first off, when you throw CDs in the fire, they usually make weird noises. Second off, why do you have a Will Smith greatest hit CD? Who likes listening to getting jiggy with it that much? That's actually kind of crazy. But either way, that was my life. There was one movie, though, that I was allowed to watch all the time growing up, and that was a movie called The Prince of Egypt. 
Now, some of you guys know the Prince of Egypt. It is the animated retelling of the story of Moses. Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. You need to go watch it. It's going to add a blessing to your life. And there might be some seasoned saints watching online right now that might say, mm-mm, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston is the only Moses movie you will ever need. But whatever your taste, it was the movie that I enjoyed so much. So now having a son, me and the family decided to watch this movie the other day. And after watching it, I realized, you know, my whole time growing up, I would always identify myself with the main character, who is Moses. But I realized that actually in my life, I resemble more of the villain in the film, who's the Pharaoh. And I believe you might too. And I'll explain why in a moment. But before we actually dive into God's word today, I'd love it if we can just go to the Lord in prayer first. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. God, I'm your microphone here. Say what it is that you want to say. Let the people hear what it is that they need to hear. And let us all be changed from it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So quick recap. I don't want to assume that everybody here knows about the story of Moses. So let me give you a little background. A very, very long time ago, in the Middle East, there was a man named Israel. His original name actually was Jacob, but it gets changed to Israel. And Israel has a bunch of kids. One of Israel's kids is named Joseph. And Joseph has a very interesting life. And at one part in Joseph's life, he actually interprets the dreams of a pharaoh in Egypt. And the interpretation of the dream was that there was going to be a massive famine coming that they needed to prepare for. The Pharaoh ends up giving Joseph a position to prepare for this famine, and he brings his entire large family over to Egypt. Well, this family becomes so large that after 400 years, they become their own nation within the nation of Egypt. And the Pharaoh at that time decided that he wanted these people to become slaves and also later on wanted the boys to all be thrown into the Nile River to be killed to end the line of the Israelites that they were called. One of the boys that was spared was named Moses and after a series of events ends up being called by God to lead the people out of Egypt so that they can be free. And the part of his job that he needed to do in order to make this happen was to go to the Pharaoh to tell him to let the people go. Otherwise, there will be penalties in the form of plagues. And that's what we're diving in today, starting off in Exodus chapter 8, starting at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into your houses of your officials and on your people, and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hands with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make the frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. Now, Queen's Church, it's important that we not just read scripture, but that we put ourselves in scripture. Many of us have experienced having an unwelcome critter in our home. Perhaps it was a large spider, Maybe it was a mouse. Shoot, I have family that live in New York City with cockroaches so big they have to pay their own rent. But imagine for a moment that not only do you just have one frog in your house that would be unpleasant, 
but that there are so many frogs in your house that you don't know where to put your foot because you're going to end up crushing some. Imagine so many frogs in your house that when you try to eat, the frogs are already all over your food. Imagine so many frogs that when you try to sleep that night, the frogs are jumping all over your face and everybody here probably knows the sound frogs make at night. There is no sleep being had. So it is clear that this is actually a very problematic plague. But I also wonder in here today, does anybody have a plague that they're dealing with in their own life? See, a plague is simply something that keeps you in continuous trouble or distress. I think it's a very safe thing to say that the coronavirus in some ways has been a plague on our world. But maybe there's a plague going on in your life that's a lot more personal. Maybe today your mental health has been a plague. Maybe today there's been toxic relationships that have been a plague. Perhaps your difficult finances feel like a plague on you. But whatever the case may be, of course, we would love to be free of these plagues. And that's exactly what Pharaoh wanted. Pharaoh says this in Exodus chapter 8, starting at verse 8. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for the ones that remain in the Nile. And this next verse, Queen's Church, is one that has me extremely perplexed because Pharaoh is dealing with a very difficult plague. Pharaoh wants to be free of this plague. He tells Moses that he wants to be free of this plague. And Moses says, listen, let's get rid of this plague. When would you like this to happen? And his response in verse 10 is tomorrow. And this leaves me confused. Why would you have such a difficult situation in your life? And when the option came to be free of it today, you instead said tomorrow. But can I ask you a question? What are the difficult things in your life that God is actually willing to free you of today, but instead you say tomorrow? Maybe it's not a plague. Maybe it's more of what is God calling you to today, calling you out of today. But for some reason, you still say maybe tomorrow. See, I have had this type of spiritual procrastination in my life where I've literally prayed, God, do this in my life. God, make a change in my world, do something. And, and, and when it came time for it to happen, for whatever reason, suddenly I became a lot more patient about seeing God do those things. And I have to ask myself, why do we wait? Why do we have this type of procrastination? You know, sometimes I think it's because the conditions aren't really the way that we would like it. You know, I've oftentimes have said myself and I've heard other people say, God, when I have more time, then I'm going to start serving. God, when I get my finances together, when I, when I get the, the increase that I need, then I'm going to start being generous. God, when my spouse, when my children, when my coworkers, when my boss gets their stuff together, then I am going to be unconditionally loving. God, if this person changes their political view, then I'll be willing to treat them like they are truly my neighbor. 
But in reality, God still, no matter what the condition is, calls us to serve today. He calls us to be generous today, to be loving and forgiving today, to treat somebody, no matter what the differences are, like they are our neighbor today. And the thing that we really don't realize is that God has a bigger purpose. God has a bigger blessing for each and every one of us tomorrow, but it's predicated on us trusting in him and choosing to follow him today. But the other thing that I realize is that often we might be waiting on God to do something and God is actually waiting on us to act first. One of the biggest things that has been an issue in my life and I've seen it in the lives of other people is that we pray for God to do things that actually aren't in his department to do. I don't know if you knew this, but our God can do all things, but he won't do everything. There are some things that are our responsibility. Case in point, I was talking with a friend of mine literally just last week, and we were talking about how, you know, due to the pandemic and gyms being closed, how we kind of gained a little bit of some COVID weight. And we were trying to figure out what was the best way to get rid of the weight. And he was jokingly saying, you know, man, I have been praying for God to just take the pounds off. I've been believing that God is going to get me to my goal weight, but I still see the same thing on the scale. And I just thought that was so funny because in reality, God already gave him the opportunity. He, he put breath in his body. He let him wake up in his right mind. He gave him physical ability. He already gave him the opportunity. He just needs to take advantage of the opportunity God already gave him. In fact, I was thinking about this also, how oftentimes I've had people say, you know what, I've been praying for God to fix my marriage, heal my marriage, things have not been going well. And I said, listen, that's a valiant thing to pray for and believe in. But when was the last time you took your wife on the date? When was the last time you decided to put away the things that you were busy with in order to focus on her? See, I believe God is going to do things that only he can do, but he is going to ask you to do what only you can do to make things happen. Acting in faith will always do more than you just waiting in faith ever could. And oftentimes because of this, I have to ask myself, are there blessings that God has for me that I'm just too busy for? Are there bigger things in my life that God wants to do, but it just can't happen because my availability is so small? But either way, I don't think that was the case here. I don't think that was the reason why Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go. I don't think that was the reason why he was willing to wait till the next day. I think it's something that's actually a little bit telling when we look at this in Exodus chapter 8, verse 12. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh, and the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses and in the courtyards and in the fields, and they were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. See, I believe Pharaoh wanted his circumstances to change, but he did not want his character to change. I believe, yes, there were things that he wanted to see different, but he was also comfortable being a slave owner. See, based off of the scripture, because there are several other plagues that happen on later that I won't get into today, 
it's clear that the slaves in this story aren't just the people of Israel. Pharaoh was a slave to his own mindset. He was a slave to his own sin. And oftentimes, I think the reason why this happens is because perhaps the dysfunctional things that we're living with has become all we know. It's become the way we've defined ourselves, how we see ourselves. For some people in here, because of difficult things that have happened, anger is all you know. Depression is all you know. Toxic relationships is all you know. Giving up, not trying, could be all you know. And the chance of freedom from those dysfunctional things, as great as it sounds, can bring a level of fear because you don't know what life is without it. Man, I've had so many times where I've counseled wonderful people that were in bad relationships knowing that this person wasn't good for them. And I said, listen, you need to leave this person. You need to walk away. But the reality was they were also scared of being alone again. That's a reality for so many of us. But I do think that the heart of God is actually so much bigger than that. And I have one more story about my childhood that I think will help make this plain. You know, back when I was in my tween years, teen years, I struggled with something that I believe uh, many men struggle with, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. And that was that I was extremely musty and I really needed to get deodorant. <laughs> so often and, and it was one of the things where like I did not stink I stank I was always playing outside I was always acting uh, acting with my friends riding bikes and everything and I would come home and my parents could not handle it and I remember one day they literally sat me down and they said Stephen we love you we want what's best for you but son you reek man like you really need some help you got to start putting deodorant on or something and i remember i was like i've never needed deodorant in my life I, I don't need to take care of that responsibility just let me live my life let me live my truth i'm gonna do me <laughs> and i remember one day at church at my pentecostal church i was sitting in, in one uh row and there was a girl that i had my first crush on tiana brooks she was a couple rows up from me and I didn't even have the uh, boldness to go talk to her because I was looking like that kid from Charlie Brown with the flies all over him. And I remember there was another boy named Alex Tom that walked past Tiana and she was sitting there with her friend. And when he walked past her, she leaned over and she said, oh my gosh, girl, he smells so good. I love a guy that smells good. And Queen's Church, I promise you, that day I went home and I did not just get deodorant, but I bought Axe body spray. I was stealing my dad's cologne behind his back. And I went from smelling so bad because I didn't wear deodorant to smelling so bad because I had way too much stuff on. But here's the reason why I tell you this, as silly as it sounds. Originally, I thought I was giving something up. But in reality, I was gaining something better. And I don't know if you know this, but whatever dysfunctional things that you might be holding on to, whatever private things you struggle with that for whatever reason you just can't really give to God because you don't know what your life is going to be like without it. Can I promise? I promise you this. God has something better for you. He's not trying to take away joy from you. He's not trying to take away peace from you. He's trying to give you life and life abundantly today. 
And the most beautiful thing about God, the reason why I just think God is so powerful, is that God works prolifically. Whatever good thing that God does in your life, it's going to have a ripple effect that's going to change your relationships, that could impact a generation, that could impact a community, maybe even the world. Think about this for a moment. Not only did Pharaoh rebelling against God hurt himself, but it hurt the people around him. It affected not just the people of Israel that were enslaved, but it affected the people of Egypt that didn't want anything to do with this matter. But still, if he would have listened, how much more change could have happened to him and all the people involved? The same is true when we believe in God doing the good things in our life today. I am a product today of people that prayed over my life. I am a product today of mentors and relatives and other people of God being generous and kind and sharing truth with me today. And many of us that are here in this room and that are watching are also a product of a man named Jesus who 2,000 years ago decided that that day was going to be the day that he was going to give his life over to be the necessary sacrifice so that we could have life today. So the story goes on. Eight more plagues happen. Eventually the last plague taking the life of one of Pharaoh's children. And we see this in verse 5. He lets the people go and Shortly after, he ends up saying again this, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. This makes me know that when it comes to choosing the things of God, we can't just do it today but it must be a daily thing. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we as humans just have a tendency to just deflate. We have a tendency to leak. And what I mean by that is that we can make a bold, brave decision that we are gonna follow Jesus today with reckless abandon, only by tomorrow to feel like completely the opposite. This is why I believe Jesus often said, and I believe it's in Luke 9, he says, you got to pick up your cross daily and follow me. Romans 12 talks about how we need to be renewing. It's a constant thing, renewing our mind in Christ Jesus daily. This can't just be a one-time thing, but it needs to be a daily surrender. And I believe when we do this, we will see change. Unfortunately, in the life of Pharaoh, him and his army went after the people of Israel, and it's this very epic moment where uh, the Red Sea parts and the Israelites cross on dry ground, and then the waters collapse back in, taking the army away. I highly recommend you read it for yourself or watch it on the Prince of Egypt. But I don't believe that needs to be your story. I don't believe that the things that are plaguing your life, I don't believe the things that are dysfunctional that you're living with today need to be the things that continues to define you until it ends you. I believe that there is new life in Jesus today. There is new mercies in Jesus today. 
there is grace in Jesus today. So my only question that I have as I finish up is will you then choose Jesus today? Maybe for the first time, maybe all over again. But I want to give you that opportunity now. So let's pray together. Jesus, you've been so wonderful. You've been so kind. You've been so good to us. And Father, today, we just want to say that we choose you today to trust in your word, to trust in your ways, to believe that what you have for us is greater than anything we can muster up on our own strength. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for setting us free. And when we fall short, when we uh, can't seem to get things right, you don't get mad at us, Lord. You love us and you just tell us to get up again, to choose you again. So Lord, we do that today. And maybe you're somebody watching right now for the first time or somebody invited you on and you've never received Jesus today. I just want you to just repeat these words after me, would you? Dear Jesus, please come into my life. I believe that Jesus is Lord and that you died on the cross so that I could have life today. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this life. I choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen.